All right. So, hi, Jennifer. If you can just sort of introduce yourself um, to everyone listening, and then I'll get started with the questions. Sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Lyon. I am the community manager on the social media team at Colonial Williamsburg. Um, do you want me to speak about my background or anything to that effect? Yeah, yeah, just like a little bit. What um, I mean, sure. about? Yeah, like so my background is um, a little bit different than what you might find on a quote-unquote traditional social media team, although that is a pretty um, – shifting definition depending on the type of organization that you're with. Um, I am a pretty traditionally trained historian. I have a PhD in American history, MA, um, a BS in history and political science. Um, I knew pretty on, knew early on in graduate school that I really just didn't want to teach. I didn't, I, I knew I wanted to do something that had like a wider appeal. Um, I'm delighted to say that traditional history graduate programs seem to have shifted a lot in the last few years, um, but when I was first starting graduate school, that was not a position that anybody else was taking. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it was very much the type of program, and I don't want to, I mean, I'm very happy to, you know, be an alumni of the University of Florida, and they do a tremendous amount for, for the students to try to make them as prepared as possible for the job market, um, right. but that was kind of like right at the beginning of the, I started graduate school in 2008, so that's right at the mm -hmm. beginning of the recession. Um, and, you know, prior to that point, people really are conceptualizing, like, what does success look like after graduation? And, and, you know, for a lot of, like, old school historians, that looks like a tenure track job at mm -hmm. a research institution. But anybody who's on the job market for any type of academic position knows that, like, that's kind of a pipe dream that not everyone is able to achieve. Um, right. And so I from the very beginning was trying to find different ways to diversify my skill set um, and get the types of, of skills and abilities that would then translate into this type of position. Um, mm -hmm. And this is the job that I have now is kind of the job that I dreamed of finding but didn't really think existed. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, I, I utilize all the skills that I used in the classroom um, and everything that then I taught myself on the side. Um, okay. So that's my, I mean, yeah. to like say what well, if I, I I often get people asking me like well what's your advice for people who are you know want to pursue a history degree or something to that effect you know how do they get a job and my best response is that you just need to make yourself as marketable as possible and that's by acquiring skills that you're not getting in your program um, right. you know graphic design photography video editing you know stuff that's mm -hmm. really not that difficult that you if anybody with an iPhone can do the overwhelming majority of it with apps spend less than $20 and have apps that give you the basic tools that you need, but that's really what sets people apart. Is people just need, mm -hmm. employers want to know that that an applicant has the ability to immediately make a positive impact. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and that's just not something that you often hear in, in academic history um, mm -hmm. because, you know, that's about publishing and teaching and right. this is just a different type of teaching and different type of publishing. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I know on your title it says community manager. So what exactly is a community manager? Like what are the duties of your job? Um, so when, when people think about like titles that they associate with social media, kind of mm -hmm. a more common one is a social media manager. Um, right. But a community manager is a term that's being used in greater 
it's coming into greater usage um, because it, the idea being that it's more representative of the real scope of the job. And so it is more than just social media. You know, I mean, we do have a blog as well. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's, I mean, it's it's everything. It's hard to narrow it down to just like one thing. Um, right. But uh, you know, everything from like developing the social media marketing strategies, um, developing brand awareness, um, encouraging people to like follow us, and then trying to convert those people, convert followers into on-site guests. Um, because right. at the end of the day, our number one goal is to get people here on site. And, mm-hmm. and granted, that's not always possible, right? And so, like, at the same time, we also try, are trying to use this position because Colonial Williamsburg does have a reputation of being an institution that is at the forefront of research and scholarship and, you know, trying to educate people. And so, for me, I see social media as a way that we can extend that mission, in, you know, through social media mm-hmm. into much larger audiences. And we do see that, you know, it's it's very gratifying when we'll see that in the comments of posts, we'll do something and, and people will say, oh, we should come visit, they'll tag their friends. And, and so we, you know, it's hard to track, you know, in an ideal world, we'd be able to, to you know, if we could be the all-encompassing eye and see everything, we'd be able to, to know, did that did that return on investment actually happen? Did that motivate that person to come visit? Um, right. But at least, you know, we're trying to lay the groundwork. So, but in terms of like what other stuff, um, just on like just the really like brass tacks, um, I managed the social media calendar, um, deciding mm-hmm. like what's going to run at what time on what day, uh, and those are strategic decisions based on um, a variety of factors. You know, like what time of day is it mo- is it most likely to succeed based on the type of content that it is. Um, there's some issues with we can see how like the for Facebook for example we see that the algorithm really affects post performance so if we have one post that succeeds you know we're kind of getting into the weeds a little bit but um, if we have a post that does exceptionally well the next one will almost invariably plummet and so we try to be really careful that like because it because it, it and it makes sense right Facebook has a vested interest in people paying for promoted posts. Right. Promoted posts that it's a really dangerous game to get into because you really want to be able to like reach your audience on your own merit because then you're mm-hmm. reaching your most like core audience, the people who really want to hear your message and really want to engage with you. Um, paid reach is going to push you out to people who may or may not really want it, um, and that's when, quite frankly, the trolls come out. Um, right. But there is there is benefits to paid versus unpaid content, but. Um, so just kind of managing overall, just you know, deciding, making strategic decisions about the content calendar, crafting mm-hmm. and writing those posts, um, managing our presence. Um, our team is broken up into kind of two categories. On one side is content, which on uh, on the content side, then we also have analytics, um, the uh-huh. scope of the number of content, uh, number of comments, questions things that are coming in is such that it really, it's way too much for one person to do. So we have um, a person on our team who basically it's a full-time job to field because we want to have an online presence and a brand mm-hmm. that is responsive to followers because we get so many customer service questions that people, sometimes they're on site asking about, you know, is something open? And we want to continue to be the type of, of brand that like people can go to for help, but that does mm-hmm. necessitate, um, somebody that has that role. So I'm, I, for a while, in the beginning when I had this job, I was 
fielding those types of like the analytic side questions as well. But now that's kind mm -hmm. of been moved over, which has made my job a lot easier because I can just focus on the quality of the content. Um, and then, you know, I do a lot with, with creating content as well. So photo shoots, video shoots, graphic design, um, create memes, um, all manner of things like that. So really just whatever is necessary. Uh, we try to, we, we pride ourselves on being the yes team and that we just make things happen. Um, and so that involves a lot of just being ready to go at a moment's notice. Right. Sure. I know just sort of working a little bit at my job and getting into working on their Facebook and Instagram and learning sort of how those things work. I've definitely learned that it's sort of, it can, you know, you can get this great post and the next not, but you got to stay on top of things. And I'm sure oh, that's yeah. for Colonial Williamsburg, especially because you guys have the two. Um, you have the Colonial Williamsburg, and then you've got the historic trades and skills. Yeah. So um, I think it, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you were to do a, a survey of large historic sites if everybody didn't kind of have this path that, you know, before mm – -hmm. I'd say probably in the last five years we've seen the museum world start to get really serious about social media. Prior yeah. to that, what, how is social media conceptualized? It's conceptualized as something that somebody else can do in addition to their quote-unquote real job. Right? And mm -hmm. so even our director, the director of social media, she was really with – she's been here long enough that, like, she was that person that she was doing, like, she was doing marketing and then social media on the side. And as social media right. has taken a bigger and more important place in the market – um, mm -hmm. people have had to adapt. And so um, it's uh, it, 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 before that type of like trying to streamline the messaging, people mm -hmm. just created Facebook pages. And so at one point, when, right before I came on, they, they undertook the gargantuan task of consolidating the existing Facebook pages um, to try to then streamline the message and have, because I mean, if you have, if you have five Facebook pages with 150 followers, you're just not reaching as many people as you can if you consolidate those down to have a more, you know, streamlined message. And so um, mm -hmm. there were dozens, dozens of Facebook groups for different trades, all manner of, of groups and, and pages. And so the task was shuttering all of those and funneling everything into a new historic trades and skills page. Um, and it was, it was quite a thing to get off, off the ground, but the proof is in the pudding that, it, it, I mean, it's done really well. Um, yeah. People really like it, and and it's nice because some people, the historic trades are what they value the most about Colonial Williamsburg, and we still mm -hmm. absolutely post about the trades quite often on our main channels. Yeah. Um, like I just did a post um, on a window that was made for um, Mount Vernon, um, so there's actually two posts. The one that I wrote is a little bit different than the one that was actually on the trades page um, that mm -hmm. ran first, but. So we're, we, we definitely still want to highlight, and we do highlight what's happening in the trades, but like that just provides them with a platform for them to talk about what's happening in their shops. Uh, we on our team monitor those posts, mm -hmm. and, and we'll do edits for grammar and typos and that kind of stuff. But the task of posting them falls to the individual trade shops. They've all okay. appointed somebody to, um, to, to have, have that role on their respective mm -hmm. teams. And um, we do, again, monitor the comments and stuff to see, like, you know, because sometimes they'll be busy and they won't notice that there's still a comment outstanding, something, a question that a guest asked. 
and they're usually really responsive. So again, it's, it's we have this priority of we want to be the type of brand that people can engage with and expect a response. Does that mean that we, we reply to every single comment? No, um, because right. some don't really necessitate a response. Um, but that was one of the concerns when we did consolidate the Facebook pages is that people wanted to still be able to control the message coming out of their um, trade shop, and this is a way that we can accomplish both. So we have a degree of oversight because that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. When you know you can, I mean, you, we see this borne out in the news all the time: people not being careless on social media and it having rather dire consequences. And so, the right. more oversight that you can have, the more like strategic you're being about the message and how it's you know put out there, the smarter it, it, it's just a better play. Um, so we do have the two Facebook pages uh, at this time. We we have now have two Instagrams, um, the main channel, mm-hmm. and then we have what's the it's called taste of cw and it provides a platform for our various um, restaurants and taverns hospitality to kind of reach that foodie market on instagram and just kind of show people like what the type of dining that is available here and that's probably what makes our job probably most um unique compared to other because because when i think about colonial williamsburg i would say you know we're a history this is a history focused organization we're in the business of, you know, we're a history museum. But at the same time, there's so much going on here um, right. that we really have to be able to, to do social media content that, like, other places might, you know, if it, you know we're, we're, we have to be able to do what a restaurant does. We have to be able to do what a, uh, what a history museum, you know, the type of content they, they would, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd expect to see on a history museum page. Um, so at this time, we only have those two Instagrams, and the plan is to not expand that out. Because again, the more pay, more channels that you have, the more that you're diluting the message. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a meandering answer, but um, no. I mean, so like yeah. it definitely it definitely touches on sort of deciding on social media platforms, and you know, yeah. because I think a lot of people um, sort of are like, oh, Snapchat's interesting, and oh, this, but if sometimes if you do reach out too far, you just dilute it. And, yeah, and we do have a Snapchat, which has been pretty successful. Um, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it, and that's kind of like my baby. Um, but uh, we, I mean, we continue. You know, and it's interesting to see how. I mean, their Facebook and Instagram. I mean, their Facebook's trying to cut into Snapchat business, and so yeah. there's no denying that that the functionality of of Instagram stories just isn't as good as, as Snapchat. There's just no way if and buts about that. The camera's better for Snapchat, the filters are better. Um, but that said, we do get a lot more views for photos on our Instagram stories versus Snapchat. Does that mean that we're going to like stop using Snapchat? Absolutely not, because like the data, this early data suggests that it's still Facebook or excuse me, Snapchat is still the purview of much younger social media users. And mm-hmm. for us, you know, what, I mean, the, the, the goal that's difficult to quantify is that, you know, there's a lot of people who are young now that we want to convert them into brand advocates. We want to get people excited about Colonial Williamsburg and want to come visit here and, like, want to know what's happening here. Because if we do our jobs correctly, if we continue to, like, keep them engaged in what we're doing and our mission and how we're fulfilling that mission, down the, mm-hmm. down the road, the hope is that then they're, they're in a position that they want to make a donation. Right. And so like that's not to say that our whole social media like strategy is set up to like that's not the end goal, but it is mm-hmm. a hope, right? That when we create right. brand advocates that it, it down the road that that there will be 
you know, because everybody's that's everybody's big concern, right? Mm-hmm. Millennials don't give in the way that baby boomers do. What is that going to mean for development at, like, nonprofits across the board? And I think right. if we can find ways to get people excited about us now, hopefully when they're older, they're going to be more interested in, you know, in making donations and supporting the organization. Mm-hmm. So. So how, I guess, um, so you've got all these different social media platforms, and then you've got the blog. Yeah. Um, so do you think you can talk a little bit about the blog and how that sort of contributes to the other social media, Facebook and Twitter? Sure. And so the blog actually predates me. So I asked my, my directors in a, in a product meeting that she could not, because I was hoping she'd be able to just come in and, and give this her answer herself, because she was the one to start it. Um, but this is her answer. She said, um, there's an old saying, don't build on rented land. This principle proves apt with social media platforms. Regardless how large your following becomes, it's an audience, audience on someone else's land, and you have little control. If you're investing mm-hmm. resources, be it time or money, into building an audience, you want as much control over the messaging as possible. There's no denying that alterations in social media algorithms in the past year have dramatically diminished organic reach, um, regardless of the quality of the content. That's a problem, although it makes sense. Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, switching up. Uh, the strategy behind the blog was to be an own source of content and marketing. Your email list is your holy grail. These are people that um, you own communication with. A blog provides an avenue to achieve the same end on social media. It's a place where you have a conversation with people. They get the email notification when a new blog posts, and they're coming back to hear what we have to say. Ultimately, we do have to worry about driving revenue. The closer we can keep our audience to places where they can take action, namely on our website, buying tickets, the better. Um, and so to your follow-up question about how about the recommendation how to, to start a blog, mm-hmm. her reply was um, to find your storytellers within the organization and have them start telling your organization stories. Start small with a realistic content calendar, calendar and then use your social media channels to promote. And that's pretty much what we do. So um, right. to expand on that, I mean, the, the blog just gives us a lot more flexibility in links, in the way that we're organizing information, and the amount of pictures that we're using. Um, and it also is a way to reach people who are not on traditional social media channels because they can sign up for those like daily notifications that send them an email with the link to that day's blog when it posts. If they, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and so like we have a, we have a, our audience for our blog tends to skew the people who have subscribed rather, um, because there's a there's a tremendous number of people who are regular readers but haven't haven't subscribed to get you know the emails, um, mm-hmm. but those who have subscribed skew older, uh, and so in the same for the same type of reason that we're utilizing chat Snapchat is the same type of justification here is that we just really want to be able to reach as many people as possible. Um, as far as uh, the question about how do we choose the topics for the blog, um, I mean, that's, it's kind of twofold. One, it's a reflection of what's happening here on site at any given time. Um, but then also, like, what we're – so our team is very unique insofar as, like, our background. Um, so I have a background – I come from a history background. So does our, like – Bill Sullivan is on our team, and he's the primary blog writer. Um, and mm-hmm. he also he um, is on the William and Mary History Grad Program. Um, so our content tends to be more focused on like the, the the type of content you would expect from a historian. Whereas mm-hmm. some of the other people on our team, uh, the other two come out of news, 
Um, like my boss comes out of like television. She has an Emmy, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And so her, her, she often will do blogs that relate more to like informational stuff about like what's happening and the new events and stuff that people can expect to see on site. So more informational stuff um, to help people. Like we did a series of travel guides this summer um, targeting different mm-hmm. types of groups. Uh, so there was one for parents with little kids. Um, I wrote one for photographers. Um, there was Bill wrote one for um, for veterans, military personnel, and so just kind of highlighting the different things that you can find around the, the foundation that would appeal to that kind of general interest group. Um, but it really it really just kind of depends. So like today's blog, and and you just know that some blogs aren't going to do as well as others. Um, I this 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 month is is uh, archives month, and mm-hmm. so I did a blog that ran today on just some of the things that were the very first items brought into the collection. Uh, so like the first rare book that they acquired, um, the first manuscript, um, where the first library was, like that kind of stuff. And it hasn't really done that well, but I knew it wasn't going to. But it's the issue of you know. I mean, if if we were just making so if we were just making content decisions based on post performance, then we would just post pictures of cats. You know what I mean? Right. Because that's the stuff that does really really well. But that's not the mission, and that's not what we're really trying to do. I mean, the cats mm-hmm. are cute, and like it, people really like them, and it's a nice thing to it. You know, we absolutely have pictures of cats because we have a few cats that like live in the historic area that have developed like fan fans. I mean, they're just like. They're really cute cats, I will say that. Um, mm-hmm. But we just, you know, our our goals are much bigger than just how many likes did we get today. And, you know, and that's what makes social media difficult, right? Because sometimes it is difficult to quantify the return on investment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in our experience, posts that are selling something typically don't do very well. And so that's – and luckily we have um, – we, ha- we are an independent um, department – Meaning we are under the umbrella of strategic communications, which also encompasses marketing, public relations. Um, but we, a lot of other social media departments are going to be underneath an umbrella of something else like guest services or, you know, public relations. And so by virtue of the type of flexibility and freedom we have, we're able to do just as good work for, and the diversity on our team, we're able to talk about the history and really get into like the, the meat of the topic in a historical context of what's happening, you know, on site, we're able to field the questions that are customer service related to like help people make their plans. And, and if they're having issues on site, we can help them get them resolved, you know, so we're able to kind of hit all of these different types of like targets. Um, but it, I mean, it's a lot, social media is a lot and it never stops. So it's really important mm-hmm to um, have balance. If you're if you do social media for a job, it's really important to have balance in your in your life between um, like work and then, you know, off time. Yeah. I'm sure it can definitely be hard because you are on social media on your off time and then you might see something or this yeah. might pop up and Well and we absolutely do. It happens all the time. But what what one thing that really has <laughs> helped us is we have um, about six months ago we started using um, Sprout Social, which is uh-huh. like a social media like management platform, and it's fantastic. Uh, it is it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it gives us the tools to succeed. It it makes us so things because I mean when we're when you get hundreds of comments a day, things mm-hmm. invariably slip through the cracks. 
you know, especially now that, like, you know, that you can reply to a comment within a comment and, you know, it becomes, like, harder to see. And, and having those, having social, having Sprout Social has made it easier for us to do our jobs and much easier for us to have the data to track how posts are doing and giving us, like, information. You know, I mean, it's like Sherlock Holmes, you know, you, you need clay to make bricks. Yeah. Um, and it provides us the kind of data that we need to then be more strategic with, like, how we're crafting posts and and how we're trying to reach our audiences. Mm -hmm. And, like, in terms of the posts, you have all these different platforms, and they really they work together to make it look seamless, like, that you and your team have, you know, when you post something on Facebook and it's retweeted on Twitter, it looks just like it was perfectly so how is that sort of done is it by done by the same person like if you're doing that or is it just yeah, understanding the different platforms um i'd say probably 95 percent of all the posts are written by me the blog i'm i'm very like i'm very intermittent i don't write as many blog posts um mm -hmm. i i probably have only written like five this year um mm -hmm. whereas like bill sullivan's probably written like 50 um so I don't write as many because my job is, is time-consuming enough that I simply don't have the time to do it. And, and as coming from a history background, writing fast is not something that I'm really, I really – I don't like doing it because I want to be thorough and I want to know that, like, the con, like what I'm saying is factually correct. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, and historians are notorious for not being very good at meeting deadlines where, like, that type of writing is concerned. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we – Typically, the goal is that we want to post um, three times a day on each channel. Uh, and sometimes it ends up being more than that. Sometimes it's less. Um, it'll never be less than two posts a day ever. Uh, and only it's only two posts a day if, like, something has, has happened that's made it impossible to, like, get a third one up. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, I mean, sometimes if we have, like, updates related to weather, I mean, it could be upwards of, like, five posts a day across all three channels. And those that – and so the more that you post, the more engagement you're going to get, the more things that have to be monitored, you know, and so it's balanced between, like, what can your social media team sustain? Um, mm -hmm. What can you realistically deal with? And, and the size of your audience. And the bigger, the big, the more, more followers means more engagement. So the bigger you get, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you're reaching more people, but that is definitely more you have to keep a sharper eye on everything that's happening. Um, because the truth of the matter is, is that trolls are real, and they really do, um, it really is something that everybody who does social media has to deal with. Uh, it's just amazing what people say, but mm -hmm. you just can't, you know, you just can't let it get you down. It just is right. what it is. You can't take it personally. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of like the messaging, um, we 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 do make strategic decisions. Like some types of content will do exceptionally well on Twitter, but won't do well on Facebook, and it'll do okay on Instagram. Um, right. Or we know it'll do really well on on Facebook, but like it's just really not gonna like do. It's not gonna be something that an Instagram audience is gonna be more interested in, you know. So it won't perform as well there. So sometimes I will make a strategic decision of not posting something to mm -hmm. one or more channels based on whatever that content is. Um, okay. And I will like make this. I will. I I do alter sometimes the the captions and the copy to be more in line with the tone of that respective platform. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of an example. So uh, the National Archives is doing a, a, a kind of a, a fun little series this, this election season called it's hashtag election collection. 
And it's encouraging different archives and libraries to highlight things within their collection that align with whatever the theme is that they've set for that week. Um, mm -hmm. So let's see, like the, the, the first week was like clothing. And so, um, or yeah, I think it, maybe it's clothing, something like that. So, so people were posting um, like political buttons, you know. Okay. Uh, and so I posted, I posted one from our museum collection that is, it was against the the um, Stamp Act, and it's mm -hmm. it's most likely the first political political button in American history, um, mm -hmm. and so that did exceptionally well. It's poor museum posts. Our museum posts don't seem to do as well, um, mm -hmm. but it did really well on Twitter. Did pretty well on on Instagram, but didn't do very well on Facebook. And so that's just you just gotta know your audiences and what they're most likely to want to see. Does that mean mm -hmm. that like you don't do posts? No, you know, because sometimes you're doing it knowing it's not going to do very well because it's it, it's fulfilling the mission, you know. So that's right. a delicate balance to strike, um, especially because I mean we do have to get people here on site. You know, every museum has it's this balance between what you want to talk about and, and what you want to do with your audience, and then the fact that like we have to drive revenue at the same time, mm -hmm. you know. And that's kind of like people don't want to want to talk about that because people don't want to have to like think of. You know, it's like talking about your own mortality, right? As it was a person, right. you know, it's, it's just not very comfortable. Um, but we try to do it in a way that doesn't. We try to take care to like not make it seem like we're, you know, schlepping. You know, buy here. We're, we don't want to. We don't want to sound like you know, snake oil salesman, right? So we we we're really judicious about you know what we highlight. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so there's thousands upon thousands of of like products for sale uh, on our marketplace online. But we are really judicious about what we post. Um, and so, for example, um, a couple weeks ago, we ran a series of posts. They have a new book that's out that's a coloring book for adults, and it's based yeah. on objects from the collection. I mean, they like took those patterns from quilts from you know, some of them are hundreds of years old, some more than that, mm -hmm. and then turned them into coloring book pages. It's brilliant. And in addition to the um, the coloring book page, on the opposite side, it gives you the information about the object itself the type of information you'd see if you were looking at it in person in the museum. So like, that's mm -hmm. perfect for us, right? Because we're, we're hitting on something that we know is hot in popular culture. People love these coloring books for adults. At the same time, that, that book accomplishes the mission of educating people about history too. So like, I was really excited. And, and that's what, you know, publications is trying to do the same thing. How do you reach people with what they want to see, but at the same time, like, make sure that we're staying true to our roots. So, and it's a really and fun coloring book. No, I, I I thought it was a really fun coloring book too. I I, I thought and I was like, oh, and it was wow. affordable, right? That's also the issue. It's yeah. like we don't want to put things out that like are are unlikely to be something that our audiences, you know, could get. It's like twenty bucks. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So I was wondering if you could talk about sort of the social media strategy of Colonial Williamsburg and like how does that work with the goals and the mission of the site. Well, um, I mean, it's a really complicated, I mean, it's a huge topic, right? Um, right. Because it's, shif it's shifting all the time based on what's happening. Um, you know, and, and sometimes we have more, I don't I mean, the, we, we try to, the, what, what is consistent is the quality of what the content that we post. The type mm -hmm. of content is, is shifting. But, like, okay. if we broke down, I mean, if we try to break down like what is like the strategy, you know, 
on the one hand, we want to we want to so our our new we actually have a new mission statement that rolled out like it, we've known it's coming, but I think that it's gone public in the last like day or two. Okay. Um, and so the the new the the previous one was um, oh what, now I just blanked. Oh, the, the previous one was so the past, so the present may learn from the past. Mm-hmm. Well, just cut that part out where I just forgot what our old one was. It's been a really long day already. Um, but our mm-hmm. new one is to feed the human spirit by sharing America's enduring story, right? And so, um, honestly, for us, like that's pretty easy. That like we're already in line with like that the tenor of that vision statement, right? Like right. we're constantly trying to show people that you know, provide content that highlights the parallels between what happened in the 18th century and, like, happens today. And we're very careful, like, we're, we don't take a political stance. We don't try to, you know, insert ourselves in a way that, like, it, like indicates bias in anything. But we do try to right. present people with information and allow them, hopefully, what will be thought-provoking information and mm-hmm. give them, you know, and what they do what they may with it. Um, right. But... So we want to we want to fulfill that mission statement in terms of the history side of it. Um, we want to develop awareness for the brand and reaching new audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of contention about like, do you describe yourself as a brand? But anybody who doesn't is just fooling themselves. You know, every every organization has an image and, and like a reputation and all of those things wrapped up together is what I mean by brand. You know. The organization, right. like our Colonial Williamsburg history, what Colonial Williamsburg means to people today, what it did in the past, where we're trying to go, mm-hmm. all of those things wrap up to be, you know, the brand, quote unquote. Um, right. So we want to develop awareness, um, reach new audiences. Um, of course, I mean, we need to, we, we also have to be thinking about how can we help support the organization and how can we help drive re- revenue. But as you can see, we, we, we don't turn it into social media into something that is just about sales. You know, we are not posting about like when the, when when the hospitality has um, specials on hotel rooms, right? Like, I mean, that's not the post that you're going to see from us. I mean, you might see it if if there's like a if there's an event where they have something going on where you know if you buy tickets to something, then you know you get it. There's like a, a package deal. We might include that in a blog post. Right, mm-hmm. and there's another there's another benefit to the blog is that you know we can do that type of we can provide that type of information which our audiences also want to know they do want to know about how do I get tickets you know when's the best time to come like when can I you know and we have even have blog posts that are like for budget conscious visitors you know and so um, we're really mindful about you know part of the strategy of course is driving revenue but at the same time we don't want that 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 has just as much um, it's on equal footing with the other aspects of you know developing awareness, creating new like advocates, people that are invested in CW and fulfilling our mission statement. So I guess that those are the three social media strategy, consistent content that meets um, that fulfills the mission statement, developing awareness and and um, attracting new followers, reaching new audiences, and then driving revenue in a way that's consistent with those other aspects of, of the strategy. Okay. And then, like, to fulfill those things, like, I'm sure that it's a lot about working with the different staff and departments outside your own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and really, it's about like as far as that's concerned. Um, mm-hmm. Again, because we are we have our own social media team that we're not underneath. You know, like in some social media teams, you'll see somebody that they do social media, but then they also like write press releases. They're also on the PR team, that kind of stuff. Because we are focused on the task at hand, um, and, and we do 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 some stuff with um, like helping to plan special events and you know that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like we're really involved right now with Halloween, um, with our Halloween programming, but um, um, sorry, I just got a notification. Uh, ask your question again. We're, we're um, having some stuff called getting canceled this weekend because of the mm-hmm. hurricane, and so I'm right. talking with you and then also fielding questions about um, what's getting canceled. Because uh, there wow. there was a big event that was supposed to be Saturday and Sunday, and there's like reenactor uh-huh. groups coming from across the country to uh-huh. uh, participate, and it just got canceled today because of like what they're projecting for this hurricane. And so I'm kind of doing two things at once, which is absolutely what you have to do on a social media. It's a social media <laughs> job. Um, yeah. So what did you ask me again? Um, just about oh, sort of working out outside working with of other people. Team. Yeah. Okay. So really, the 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 way that that I best do that is just developing relationships with people across the foundation and so mm-hmm. um like it, so i have like this the cell phone number all of all of the different trade shops for example have um distribution emails so if you if somebody wants to contact like the basket makers it's basket makers at cmuf.org um mm-hmm. and so sometimes the easy way is just to reach out with through the distribution emails that goes to everybody in the shop somebody will reply to us um, but what i find sometimes it's faster is just you know we have work cell phones, and so just I my work cell phone contact list is nothing but cell phone numbers of people who who work at CW that then I can reach out to really quickly to mm-hmm. get the information that I need. So then I can be you know I can react really quickly um, to like answer whatever the question is or have what I need to create a post. And so I think it might be different in a smaller organization, but with something as large as Columbia Williamsburg. Have you ever been here before? Oh yeah, I I love going there. Um, yeah, so it's so huge, right? Like, just, like you know, somewhere else you could probably like walk down the hall and just ask. But like, that's really difficult when like the gunsmiths are on the other. Like, it would be a probably 15 minute walk um, from yeah. the Goodman Building over to there. And so like, it's just really helpful to have those personal like relationships with people that they know that you you know. And I try to make it clear to, to um, them that like my full interest is in making sure that the information that we put out there is the is most accurate reflection of what they've got going on and then mm-hmm. giving people guests information that they need at the same time. And so, I mean, what I kind of, what I usually tell people in the historic area, like when I, I, I'm starting to people know me because I've been here for um, about a year. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that I conceptualize like what my job is and what I do is that when it, with regard to the historic area, I just think of our social media as like an amplifier. The sound is already happening in the historic area, but what we do is we make it louder and we make it so more people hear it. Right. And so that seems to be something that people like vibe on because, and I think that it really helps that I do have a history background that garners mm-hmm. like immediate legitimacy, um, especially with some of the older um, trades people who are, you know, they, they, like to know that that who they're dealing with um, has respect for their craft and knows something about the history. Which, by the virtue of working at Colonial Williamsburg, people have a, like a pretty 
probably a better understanding of American history than um, the average bear. Um, right. But uh, that, that's just absolutely crucial. Um, I think it, it, perhaps it would be different if, if somebody was doing social media for like Taco Bell. Um, right. But the nature of our of our business is you just gotta you just gotta like know people and make sure that they trust you and so you can get what you need to do your job. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of um, meetings like person to person, or is it a lot more sort of talking through emails and texting and calling? Um, I say for me, I'd say it's probably it's both. Um, so okay. one thing that like I have integrated in is that um, when I go to do Snapchat and Instagram stories, I turn it into mm-hmm. I time when I go out the time of day is based on what other information I need and other things that I need to do. And so um, when I like walk around, you know, I'm also like stopping, seeing tradespeople, asking if they've got anything going on. They know Mm -hmm. that when they see me that, like, they can let me know about something they have going on. And so a lot of times the content we get is just based on being in the right place at the right time to have them tell me about something that they, like, have that's going to be, you know, coming up. Um, Okay. So an example would be um, several of our trades are working together to create um, a replica of a portfolio that George Washington owned that's in a different museum's collection here in, in Virginia. And uh-huh. so the only reason I knew that was happening, because they, they do a tremendous amount of work for other museums just because, like, who else can produce this type of work? Who else can produce accurate 18th century replicas that the museums, like, um, the blacksmiths made a bunch of hinges for Monticello recently. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, kind of the minutia, that kind of stuff. And for them, it's so commonplace that they don't, often they, they don't think, I should let social media know that this is happening. But we want to know. And so, um, you know, the only reason I knew that this portfolio was being made is because I happened to stop by the military artificers and saw that he was um, stain, like staining the leather black. And I right. just asked him what he was doing. And then, you know, boom, he tells me and we're off to the races. And so now there'll be a blog post about that um, in a week or two. And so oh, wow. it's really just getting out onto the street, talking to people. Um, and I've kind of created Every my like the thing I say all the time, it's like a broken record, is like please let me know if you have anything coming up that you want us to know about. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when other people that I'm cool with hear about something, they'll let me know. And so right. you just kinda have to create this network of, of people that like know you have their best interest at heart and like want to like keep you in the loop. So yeah. I think if I think it would be very difficult to do social media if you weren't an outgoing person who was like yeah. chill and, and good at dealing with lots of different types of people. Yeah. Um, but my education background absolutely helps in that regard because um, I can I can like hang with regardless of the type of conversation and that's been really helpful yeah. with you know some of the older folks. Yeah, and I guess that gets into my question about your background in education helping you being successful in your current position. Yeah, I mean, it really has. Um, I mean, just in myriad ways. You know, when I taught at UF, um, I I taught at UF for to fulfill, like, my, my funding. Um, I was on a teaching mm-hmm. assistantship, and then I also, um, after I got my master's degree, I, I, I adjuncted at a different college in Gainesville um, to make extra yeah. money. And so... Um, you know, when you're talking to an 18-year-old college freshman, like, if you try to, you, you, if you want to be successful in that endeavor, you have to, like, craft a message in a way that, like, is going to be interesting to them. 
right? How do you hook mm-hmm. an 18-year-old? You have to make it interesting. You know, you have to, like, provide, like, something that's going to, like, capture their attention. And so it's pretty much the same thing here. Um, I use a lot of the same techniques and, you know, trying to convey stuff in the fewest amount of words possible, you know, really, like, interesting, like, catchy lines to capture people's attention. Um, mm-hmm. And that's all the stuff I was doing in the classroom. I mean, the types of, like, stuff that I was, you know, writing in lecture notes and on PowerPoints, that just translated over pretty well. Um, right. And the ability to do very fast historical research um, has also been a, a really big help because then I'm in a position to be able to answer um, questions because people ask really specific and really esoteric questions and we want to be able to mm-hmm. answer them. And so as a historian, you have to be able to go find the information you need and make it happen. Um, right. And so I'm trying to think of an example. I'm just, I mean, I just, I've just learned the most random things by virtue of, and my specialization is actually 19th and 20th century history. Uh, and uh. so my, the training, that's the skill set, the skill that I had got in graduate school, I've just applied, you know, but like, I, of course, like, I'm, I'm versed in 18th century history. I mean, I had to pass pre-qualifying exams on early American history as well. Um, but my dissertation is um, on a 20th century topic. And so um, it's been a little, it, it, you know, most people here are like early American historians. But in some regards, I think it's actually helped me because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have those, the logical leaps in your explanations that you build it from the position of like somebody who might not know anything at all. And I think that's also really important is to remember um, like who your audience is and how to answer those questions in a way that keeps their interest, you know, Mm -hmm. because I've seen some, I've seen some responses on other, on other um, institution pages that are almost a little bit condescending, right? We don't ever want to do that. We want to encourage people to, like, learn more and give them links to stuff if they want to additional resources. And people reach out to us in our private messages a lot to ask research questions. And so um, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun because being a historian, I, like, I, I, would, I, I would just not do very well in doing a job that was the same thing every day. That's just not my personality. It's not, like, how I work best. And so this really meets that of just varied something different all the time, learning new things. Um, and mm-hmm. so that really appeals to me. But yeah, my background, my education has absolutely been big help. Um, in terms of like work experience, mm-hmm. I mean, I think anybody that wanted to work, wants to work at a museum should really work some customer service jobs. Um, yeah. If, you're, if you have not gotten experience working with like, quite frankly, upset people, like, it, it's just, it's better to be in a position of, of knowing how to, like, de-escalate a situation and, and let people know that you really are, do have your best interest or you are trying to be helpful. Um, you know, because sometimes people do get upset. You know, we we fielded some questions from a guy who's very, very, very upset about $6 in parking a couple of days ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can understand that. You know what I mean? You get worked up. Um, but we just try to, like... And let him know we're here to help. Just give us the information. You know, we just need some information so then we can like move forward with helping you. And you know, right. and it turned out just fine. Um, but man, I think you gotta you gotta have some ability to work with the public. Definitely. I guess in, unless yeah. you're like doing conservation, maybe I don't know. Maybe that would be like a lab only job. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that a museum most museum jobs require you to be interacting with people. Absolutely, yeah. In some way, so. And it makes uh, you really a lot more cognizant about 
when you find yourself as the customer in the reverse mm-hmm. role because you know what it's like to be on the other side of it, you know. Right. I think a lot of times if people just take a deep breath, that's quite helpful. Um, yeah. But, you know, like I, I interned for um, the National Museum of African American History and Culture and then um, did a cataloging project for them in Brooklyn, and that, that was a really big help because I got to get a ground-level ground view of, you know, what the, the business of collecting and, like, how you deal with the acquisition of objects. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I went to, to intern at Monticello, it was in the development department, and so then I got to get a view of the fundraising, what goes into that, you know. And, and internships are, unfortunately, really short, and you get just, like, a pretty truncated view of, of the department in question. But it was really helpful for – and it's absolutely helped me in this job as well. Um, and, mm-hmm. and based on that internship, um, they hired me to do some remote work while I was back in Florida. And so I would do graphic design stuff um, for the director of engagement. And she had me do some big research projects on like millennial um, giving, be- excuse me, giving behavior. Mm-hmm. And that stuff has all proven really wildly helpful. Um, but a lot of the other stuff I did on my own. You know, like I taught myself mm-hmm. Photoshop. Um, I taught myself how to do, you know, video, video editing, and, and which yeah. I'm still working on now. Um, and, you know, th- did that slow – it absolutely – doing those internships, because in, in a graduate program for history, the summers are really the time that you have to really make huge strides on your dissertation and, and your research. And mm-hmm. I didn't because I was away doing these full-time job internships. And it was a strategic decision that I, a lot of people thought I was out of my mind. Um, because right. it made it take longer to finish my degrees. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that there were times where I, I thought, have I made a huge mistake here of, you mm-hmm. know, not just focusing on a degree. But at the end of the day, it worked out exactly like how I had hoped that it provided the experience I needed to get the job. Um, so there wasn't a lot that, I mean, I don't really feel like there was anything that was a massive the learning Colonial Williamsburg was was the biggest learning curve. Just trying mm-hmm. to like get my, wrap my mind around everything that happened here, and I'm, that's a, an ongoing process. Um, I mean, there's like five thousand people who work here. You have no hope of knowing everybody's name. Um, yeah. But uh, I think had I not done that type of additional stuff beyond just what was being offered in my graduate program, I don't think I would have been in the position to get this job. So mm-hmm. that's definitely for all the people who are listening to this, find ways to get skills that are seemingly outside of your wheelhouse. Yeah. It just makes it more valuable. That's what's, I think, great about the program that I'm in and that we are gaining a lot of different, and listening to these because everyone's talking to different people and, you know. What I'm very, I was very interested to read your syllabus Um, because I I was just sure, I I figured this was a social media class in a different, mm-hmm. you know, not a museum studies muse- uh, social media class. So I think that's really wonderful that, you know, at least your program is taking it seriously enough, seriously enough that there's going to be a set of people who have both social media and museum studies understanding, you know, the understanding of the yeah. museum world. Yeah, it's so, the first time it's being offered, and I'm really enjoying it, yeah. That's cool. I mean, what pra- that, it's hard to find classes that have direct practical application. Yes. In graduate school. Um, that is so. definitely it's, it's definitely nice, and I've been using it both, you know, just learning things in class and then directly applying it to where I work, because um, I work in a museum, and so. Nice. 
that's nice. that's so really what's your end game do you i mean do you want to do social media or do you want to do something else within the museum world um i i mean i definitely could see myself doing social media i really love doing that kind of thing is engaging people in that different way um but i can also see myself doing sort of curation and creating sure um snippets. so i i i right now i'm doing visitor services and that's really great, and it's a great introduction for me because it's the first time I'm working in a museum. And yeah. getting a lot of different things, too, because it is a small institution, and there's, like, 10 staff members. So Yeah, and you have to do a lot more. If, you, if you're in a small shop, people just have to take on a lot more roles. Right. But So it's, it's good in that I'm getting experience in a lot of different things. And, but I can definitely sort of see myself doing social media because one of the reasons that I decided not to go down um, the academic path was because I just didn't see myself there, but I still wanted a way in which to engage with people with history. Yeah, and absolutely. So that's sort of where I came with with museums. Um, and, you know, I mean, and I mean, the, the type of organization is really going to dictate the, the social media strategy, you know. Um, yeah. And, their re and the amount of resources that they have. I mean, there are some large institutions that I am really surprised how little, that, they, that they're clearly not taking it very seriously because they, you know, they are posting really infrequently. And you know that's a reflection of the amount of time and resources that the staff has. It's not staff, you know what I mean? They just haven't mm -hmm. made a priority. And, and the, my concern is that, you know, if you wait too long, you're going to be behind the eight ball in a big way. You know, and so right. it's important to be like taking it seriously now, cultivating your followers because I mean we're seeing the proof is in the pudding. I mean, look at all of the amount of money that was would was previously in traditional forms of media that's now funneled into social media. Um, oh, so yeah. this is this world is only going to get bigger, um, and the better we can be at what we do, the better job we can do for our organizations. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like that's the best way to conceptualize it, is that each department is a client. You know, and we have to deliver mm -hmm. for the client. Um, and so that affects the type of, like, how you frame the types of captions that you write, um, the, the types of photos that you, you know, select, even the order of the photos. Because, you know, you have to be mindful that, I mean, even the smallest minutia stuff matters. Like, if you're, um, if you're posting, two, if you have two photos to post to Facebook and they're both in landscape orientation, the way that it's going to view is going to chop both of those pictures in half. Mm -hmm. So then the people can't really see the photos, and so that post isn't going to do it as well. So you've got to come up with two other photos to throw in there so it'll, like, look like collage in the preview, you know? I mean, yeah. that's the type of, you know, that is really getting into the weeds, but that's what good social media really looks like, is that you care about the details and you execute quality, consistent content on a daily basis. Um, right. And, and it can be really exhausting, <laughs> but uh, it's, no, it's a lot easier now. It's a lot yeah. easier now that we have um, a person that does all of the like dealing with comments and, and questions and, and that kind of stuff. Because uh, when I was trying to do both, it really was overwhelming. And that's when you really are working like 12 hours a day. Um, and I remember like when I was doing that, it was like when you get up to go to the bathroom at like 3 a.m., you're checking just to make sure people aren't saying whatever they're saying, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some, I mean, it, it, you know, we have some trolls that come out to play on a regular basis and we mm -hmm. just know to expect them. Um, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. And we just don't, you know, we just try to do good work that's a reflection of the good work that's being done in a historic area and across the foundation. And mm -hmm. 
you know, then we can sleep easy. Right. And and that's, yeah, and I think that that's something that you guys really, you do well focusing on. And we try to be funny. Yeah. Which I like because they let me be funny. I mean, so. everyone that I work with, because um, our site is somewhat similar to yours, it's, it was a colonial town, but it's like half the size. <laughs> True. Um, and, but so it's just interesting to see, um, just we talk about all the time how, whether it's Facebook Live videos or even like the April Fool's joke, you know. Yeah, that they, <laughs> um, Which that was kind of a crazy thing how that all happened. Um, but we, you know, be like that's how you attract new people. It's like, wow, Colonial Williamsburg has a sense of humor. They don't take themselves too seriously. You know, and a rising tide raises all boats. And so, like, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not giving away, like, state secrets or anything, but, like, a lot of times, like, I have this, whenever I see something funny, like a funny picture or a funny post, I just, I have, like, a set of these types of memes just, like, waiting yeah. to go, and I just roll them out as I need to. Um, yeah. Some of them are timed, like, the one about, um, the one of George Washington with, like, the um, disappointed look on his face that we mm-hmm. ran last week was that said something like when people complain about politicians but aren't registered to vote, I've been sitting on that for like six months waiting for a national registered to vote day. And so we, and that was one of the questions that you asked about like, how do we um, decide on like timing? Um, We're absolutely constantly looking for ways to tap into larger conversations, be it through hashtags, be it through holidays. Um, And a lot of times we're getting ideas for content based on those like seemingly weird and odd holidays. Um, trying to think like so uh, last week um was like national coffee day and mm-hmm. um the easy pick would have been like you can get a cup of coffee somewhere you know what i mean that's a charles charleston coffee house but so instead mm-hmm. i picked like some really interesting coffee mugs from our collection you know so it highlights the museum collection and, it, and it's something that like not the entire world everybody else is going to be posting a gift of, of like coffee being poured into a cup Right or right. some it's not or coffee beans or something like that. So trying to find a way to tap into an existing conversation, ride a wave that somebody else is creative created, but a way that mm-hmm. like showcases our organization. Um, and uh, there's a lot more I could do, but like the the functionality like they don't even they don't have all of the objects listed on the e museum, and that's a problem for me. Um, mm-hmm. But and and so like that's one thing that like you know, Colony Williamsburg is really an old organization right and like we have a long history and so there are some databases that they're in the process of like updating um like our our image management system is very difficult to navigate and like some in some instances photos i'd really love to use that i know would do well we don't have the permissions to Uh, download because of like you know or they'll download with a watermark that kind of stuff and so mm -hmm. that's in the process of that's going to make things infinitely easier for me to be able to pull you know, use any of these photographs that, like, are marked for, you know, being okay to publish. Like, you know, sometimes if there's ones with photos of people that don't have, you know, model releases, that's, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. issue matters as well. But um, we definitely, you know, one of the things that I have, we have, every two months we create um, a general outline of everything that we have going on for social that we have like highlighted as something that we want to discuss on socials, crap posts, blog posts. And then mm-hmm. we have a massive planning meeting where we invite people from across the foundation. So people from different representatives from trades, um, special mm-hmm. events, 
archaeology, um, the archive, the library, all these people that come with their own individual like understandings of the foundation's history and what's happening. We're all in one room together, and they and everybody can discuss like what's happening, and and as a result, then we then that directs um, like the blog schedule and um, kind of the social media content schedule calendar. But like I have like kind of um, I move things around a lot based on like post performance and like how to maximize engagement. So definitely use weird holidays. It's really effective. Um, so I guess how would you tell other historic sites to use social media? Like what have you learned that you believe other places? I mean, I think you have to take it seriously because, mm -hmm. um, you know, people, you, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a historic site, but if when you, when you look at something, a new business or something, you go to their social media pages, and if they don't have very many followers, that doesn't really seem like it. We kind of make these judgments based on, like, if a lot of people follow someone, it seems to give them legitimacy. And that's absolutely, like, that can be really not true, because we can see sometimes on Instagram, there are certain, like, Instagram famous people that, like, what exactly do they do? We don't know. Um, but uh, I think um, the key is, is to make sure you have people on your team that like really under understand social media and know which way the wind is blowing, you know, because mm -hmm. like you have to be cognizant about what's happening in pop culture, what's happening in the news, what's happening in politics, not only because it provides you opportunities to like engage with what's happening, but also yeah. if, if, if you don't know, you're, you're, it's only a matter of time before you accidentally step into a bad, a, like, make a misstep. Um, yeah. So like a, a, an example that, cringeworthy example of is uh, I, this had to be like a year, year and a half or two years ago. It was when there was like a new rollout of emojis and Clor Clorox bleach, like, and the big controversy surrounding that rollout was that there were not more representations of people of color within the available emojis. And they ran yeah. some post about bleach, about like whitening things, and it just really was like you couldn't oh imagine God. the worst timing. And you know that wasn't their intention, but it did not look right. good. Right, and so that's why you gotta have a social media manager that like knows what's happening and can pull content as needed. And then, and at the same time, know when there's an opportunity that you should capitalize on. And so, yeah. an example for us would be um, there was a lot of uh, of um, discussion surrounding the Constitution. I mean, that's come up repeatedly in this election cycle. And um, there was the guy who you know, pulls out the pocket constitution of the DNC, and then that turned into a big thing. Um, and, like, the ACLU was giving out free pocket constitutions. Well, the truth of the matter was is that I was had scheduled to run a post two weeks later where we were legitimately giving away a pocket constitution and declaration of independence as, a, as part of a development info capture. And I was like, I need okay. these links, like, immediately because we're going to run it now. So we moved right. it up two weeks, engaged in that larger conversation, and it was one of the most successful info captures that they got it. Uh, oh, wow, and yeah. so you just have to, you just have to like be, you know, and it, it's not something that you can, if if you don't genuinely like that kind of stuff, like keeping up with 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 trends and like, you know, looking at Buzzfeed mm -hmm. to get like a, you know, understanding, you know, because I mean, Buzzfeed is the ticket. Buzzfeed is surprisingly helpful for doing social media because they, a lot of times they'll do these roundup posts where they're highlighting like mm -hmm. trends. And so it's just an easier way to keep up 
with what's going on. Um, but if you don't really like doing that just naturally, I think it makes the job much more difficult. Right. But um, so having people who really enjoy social media, who really understand what's happening and are committed to like staying up to date with everything, um, mm-hmm. you've got to have those people in place to succeed. At the same time, you have to have people that really are actually personally invested in the mission. Um, I think you, I think you know, you can put me into any kind of brand, and I can do good work for them. But it's there's, it's always easy to tell when somebody really means and really wants what they're posting to succeed. Um, and so, for me, I, I come from a history background. I love teaching. Conveying the past to people is what I've always wanted to do. And so, mm-hmm. it makes it easier for me, you know, because it is a teaching. It's just a different type of teaching. So having good people that believe in the mission and that are willing to, like, learn and stay up to date, I think that's key. And you can, you can have leadership that gives you the room to work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we are very, very, very fortunate to have that here. Well, that's so. great, yeah. Um, and then I think one of these terms that I've kind of learned and overlearned is, like, engagement. And it's something that's, I think, thrown around a lot. So I'd like to hear sort of what does engagement mean to you? Well, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of shifting sands, right, because it can mean different mm-hmm. things based on the context in which you're using it. Um, but, I mean, I think, I think of engagement as reaching your, reaching your audience and reaching people who, are, who might not know you but are receptive to the type of content that you're producing and then yeah. creating a conversation that they're, like, actually engaging with. You know, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, people, and that's why it's important not to just conflate like a successful social media strategy is one that produces a lot of followers. Well, right. that is that's a really nice little metric that you can say we have doubled our followers, you know, in 2016, which we have on Instagram, more than doubled already, um, which I'm really proud of uh, since I started. But um, we also want to talk about like what are the quality of those followers, right? Mm-hmm. Are there people that really believe in Colonial Williamsburg that like want to know more? And a lot of times people are quite challenging. You know, they, like, question the direction of, of the foundation and want to know, like, why are decisions being made. And that's, a, I mean, to me that's a good thing, right, because people are invested in this place and they want to see it succeed and, and continue. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more than just getting followers. It's getting people who, like, actually care. Um, and that's why, you know, I mean, when you talk about, like reach, that's another buzzword you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, organic reach, meaning like how do you get your, the message from your organization to your followers without help? Organic reach mm-hmm. is always better because, I mean, because if, if you pay, even if you pay like five bucks, Facebook will boost your post and it reaches more people as a guarantee, right? And that's how they make money. I mean, they, they need people to pay for pay, do paid posts. But like it's just not, you want to be able to do it on your own based on like the quality of your followers and the quality of your content. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, if you ask that question to every person on our team, they'd probably give you a different definition of engagement. Um, so I'm certainly not positing mine as, as, like, you know, the gold standard. Um, but I think it really just means having people want to hear your message, be receptive to it, and then, like, engage in a conversation with you. Um, right. And the blog does allow us to help with that as well, you know, because we have blog comments in addition to those, like, comments on social media platforms. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what does your, your instructor say? What, how do they define engagement? I'd be interested in that. We, we had like an entire conversation about what engagement is. Um, 
and it was it was sort of very it was I mean we, our third lesson was just outreach and engagement, and so it was that was literally the question like what does engagement mean? And it, it's not that they necessarily gave us an answer; it was more just about trying to figure out what we thought it was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've sort of I've sort of seen it as this like big buzzword and it. You know, I think you're right that engagement is more than just, oh, getting those followers. It's what does, what does my content say brought those followers there? And how are they interacting with that post or with that, yeah. um, you know? And so it's sort of getting more information than just these are the followers. Yeah. But at so. the same time, you've got to be able to, like, demonstrate return on investment, you know, because, like, yeah. the bean counters want to know. Because right. uh, and and that's a culture change that like I think business is still a ways away from accomplishing that like a lot of like like and I and I'm very glad to say that like that this is not the case here because we really yeah. have buy-in from um from all the way up to the CEO of people recognizing the importance of social media and that's really helpful but like I know enough other people at other institutions that like you know you'll get like the snarky comments from like the old school people who don't think that they think that social doing social media is just playing around on Facebook all day. Mm-hmm. And I'd be lying to you if I said that there weren't some older, like, tradespeople that probably are along the same lines, right? But, like, that's why it's just important to con- continue to produce consistent content that you demonstrate your worth. Yeah. You know, you demonstrate the importance of social media and what you can help. Because that's what we're doing, right? We're trying to, like, that's what, I mean, you work in a museum. You're not, it's not like you're, it's not, you don't work at Taco Bell, right? You're not just trying to generate profit we have a larger mission that it's, it is trying to like make sure that we're like, you know, having a return on investment, but like that investment doesn't necessarily mean just financial. You know, how are we yeah. returning on our investment into like research and like programs and across the board? So mm-hmm. I'm sure I could craft far more eloquent responses to <laughs> in writing. I'm better in writing than I am vocally, but um, right. it's a big job, you know, and I really like it. it and I think, um, I think I've got, I've, I think I've improved a lot. You know, when you really get into it, I mean, you just make huge strides. Um, yeah. And so the really the only thing left that I really want to improve is I'm I'm trying to get a lot better at like um, video and editing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I took my first Facebook Live videos this summer for um, the museum I work at, and one of the things I learned is that I need a tripod because we yeah. were doing oh, yeah. demonstrations and cannons and just that shake and so it's yeah, definitely even if you, you feel like you're not moving but you are tripods are yeah. way easier and it also in our experience it really helps if you have depending on what your live stream because the live streaming is usually me um yeah it, it is yeah i think i probably probably like 90 percent of them have been me but um it really helps if you have like two people one person to demonstrate one person to talk yeah and it has to be somebody who wants who who enjoys it um yeah so, and some it's surprising. Some people who like, you know, they have engaged with guests on a daily basis for decades feel less comfortable doing a live stream than somebody who's like, you know, only been on the job for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we've I've done several live streams with a guy named Darren from Coaching Livestock. He's just an, an affable, mm-hmm. great guy who's young. He's he, you know, he has grown up on a farm, so he knows a tremendous amount about livestock, and so he is in yeah. a position to answer, give really detailed, thorough answers. But he feels more comfortable than some of the carriage drivers that have been, you know, doing this for years. And so you right. just kind of have to play to your strengths. You have, and that's probably another thing is like when you do social media, you have to know 
the people you're working with well enough to know what how you can get the most out of them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and not in an exploitative way, but like how can you put them in the best position to like thrive or what you're asking them to do, and then because that's going to translate into post performance. So. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. And live streaming is fun. It's just it can be difficult because the lag time is a pain sometimes where like yeah. the questions are, you know, they're happening, but they're not rolling in as fast while you're watching the screen. And so typically mm-hmm. what we do is we have um, somebody back at the office who is watching and monitoring and then like they will text me questions. So in case it doesn't, well, usually I'll see them come through, but in case there's any sort of lag, the questions that they're mm-hmm. seeing, they text to me so that I can go ahead and ask them. But a lot of times, uh-huh. like, you know, people don't ask questions fast enough, so then I'm just asking questions. And then in that regard, like, I worked for several years at the oral history program at U.S., and, like, being able to do, conduct those types of interviews has been really helpful because you have to think of questions on the fly that are, like, germane to the discussion at hand, and you're trying to anticipate what are people, what would people want to know. And so mm-hmm. um, I really don't prepare for them as much anymore, and depending on the live stream, but, like, I usually have a, like a set of five or six questions and I'll ask the person that's, um, that, you know, is in front of the camera for the live stream, like give me a few softball questions that I can lob at you mm-hmm. to get you going, you know, so then they feel comfortable and you don't have to be contingent on waiting for somebody, a follower to ask a question. And don't hesitate to ignore questions that you think aren't, you know, ask them in different orders or, or don't ask them at all. Um, yeah. Because sometimes people ask stuff that you're like, I know you're trying to like, you have an agenda here. Yeah. But um, I don't know I feel like I'm really great for like that type of like practical advice. So mm-hmm. if you ever like need, if you ever have any questions about anything, like don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to. Oh yeah. Give my two cents oh, if it's helpful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. Um, because. I, I've done social media work. I've worked in retail, and I tried to help them start with a social media before I moved into this museum job, and so I gained that experience, and now I'm working um, at the museum, and I, it's something that I definitely really do enjoy, and so taking this class and talking to you, and it's just been really yeah. great to learn more. Well, and you just, you learn by doing, you know, and so, like, yeah. if you, um, what kind of phone do you, what kind of phone do you have? Uh, I have a Samsung. Yeah, man, not good. I, I was team Android, like, my whole life, and I got here, and, I, and our work phones are iPhones. Number one, oh. I, you could not do this job without without a work cell phone, and it has to be an iPhone because yeah. the cameras are just superior. Um, mm-hmm. It's really difficult to do, like, the kind of content that you really need without an iPhone camera, and I hate saying that because, like, it sounds like an iPhone person. Um, but, like, mm-hmm. if you if you have an iPhone um I would suggest, like, just to kind of get your feet wet, like, do a how-to video. Find somebody on site that can demonstrate something, and, like, yeah. you can create it based entirely with the iPhone video, just videoing on iPhone and then using the app of Adobe um, Premiere. Uh-huh. Um, but I would recommend getting that because if you want to get into being able – because you want to – when you go on the job market, like, you want to have – it's called Adobe Clip. And it's like the okay. app version of Premiere, which is the main, you know, editing software that, like, you use for real. But, like, the app is free, unlike Premiere. Yeah. Um, but, like, I really can't stress this enough that, like, it will be very helpful for you when you're applying for, if you want social media jobs, to have a website, like an online portfolio that provides uh-huh. a really easy to access, like, sample of your work. 
And so okay. I, mine is just through, it's called foliohd.com is like okay. the, the host. And like, I don't know if they still do it, but like at the time you would sign up for a year and they gave, gave, give you your own um, URL address. And so then it's like, it's just your website, but it's really a very easy to use and easy to populate portfolio mm-hmm. creator. creator. Um, and like just even if it's not really representative of what you do all the time, having that portfolio, examples of photography on site, examples of graphic design, examples of video, like all that kind of stuff that shows that like even if it's not in your, like it's not your daily wheelhouse, that you can step up and fill the gap if they need it. Because that's yeah. what people really need is that, like, nobody has the, the type of staff they think they really need. So you just got to, like, catch as catch can. So that's another mm-hmm. thing I would recommend to everybody that's, like, in a graduate program is find ways to create content. I mean, and, like, I don't know. I mean, if people if people come to Colony Williamsburg and take really great photos, tell them to send it to me. Um, I post content from other photographers all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And it helps to have inroads with other, you know, with people who really do the job. So then, you know, you can know who to ask. Um, but, I mean, the National Museum of African American History and Culture has a social media position open right now. And starting salary is like $92,000. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I thought about applying for it, but, like, I really don't, I mean, only because, of like, it would be a great career opportunity. But, like, I'm really happy here and I don't want to leave yet. And... Yeah. Um, but that's a perfect example of like having a PhD is really helpful. And so like right. it, it's really helpful to have both the traditional education and the practical. So if you can get both, you're setting yourself up to succeed. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, so I guess I my one final question is what do you love most about Colonial Williamsburg? Um, I'd say probably the variety. Um mm-hmm. I mean I guess, I don't know, for me personally, like I was, I was born and raised on a farm in Kansas, and so I really enjoy um, being able to, like, interact with the animals because it reminds me of home, you know, going to the stables and seeing the lambs and, mm-hmm. and you know, the oxen and the horses and, and that kind of stuff. I think it's really great. Um, I, I really enjoy the historic trades. I think it's amazing how they, they're, with their commitment, I mean, authenticity is a word that, like, happened here that said at Colonial Williamsburg probably a thousand times a day. Um, like that's yeah. like the big priority is like how can we remain true to the mission and true to like how things happen in the 18th century. And of course there are um, allowances are made. You know, like in the 18th century, Duke mm-hmm. of Gloucester Street would have been entirely mud and poo. And it's not today. And we all think that's a good thing, right? Air conditioning, it's helpful. Um, right. But like beyond, you know, that kind of, those things aside, um, we really... I really appreciate how serious they are about their respective crafts and keeping that craft alive and how they do things the old school way. Um, it really appeals to me as a historian to see, you know, hands-on history. Um, and I just like the scope of how big this place is. I like that we have this much stuff going on. That's kind of, that can be a challenge. And, you know, sometimes to make sure that um, we're, we're presenting everything that's happening, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I just really like the variety. I really like, um, you know, the research, the archaeology, uh, the conservation. I mean, we just have world-class stuff across the board, and um, it's a perfect place to be for me. Um, and so while Williamsburg itself is pretty small, um, I wish it was a little bit bigger of a city because Gainesville had more, you know, mm-hmm. culture and stuff to do for, you know, adults. Um it's a great, it's a great little town, and I'm very happy with the job. And 
I just, I don't know. It's a job I didn't think existed, but I'm delighted that they yeah. that it does. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess if I, I had to say, like, advice on that front, too, is, like, if you know what yeah. you want to do, just go, just figure out, like, make a list of what you think you need to get to that goal, and then just move towards it, you know? Mm-hmm. And just the job market is daunting, and it's going to be terrible, and there's just no way around that. It, it it freaks people out, and it's really stressful, and, like, you're going to not get jobs, but, like, if you know what you want to do, just focus on the thing itself. Okay. And if we're ever hiring, I'll let, I'll, I'll let you know you can send it out of here. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think you answered all my questions and more. All right. Well, I mean, I kind of rambled a lot. Um, but uh, if there's anything you want me to clarify or provide more information or examples of stuff, um, I'm happy yeah. to do so. Um, okay. I mean, I'm trying to think like what else would be helpful. Just don't be afraid. I think a lot of people. I, I maybe this would be another thing for like the, the suggestions for like history museums on social media is like don't be afraid to to like be like introduce some levity you know and like be lighthearted mm-hmm. with stuff when appropriate and that's the big thing and that's why you really get down to like being able to trust your staff is like knowing when it's appropriate and when it's not you know and right. like how you can you know like and knowing which audience is going to be resp- like you know receptive to it but like the announcement for how this uh this hurricane has like prompted the cancellation of a really big event. Um, yes. I posted a photo of this guy who looks very frustrated, just like holding, uh, like kind of like shaking his fist towards the sky. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not to make light of, it's just something to introduce like a little bit of humor, but to say, you know, that we really understand the frustration of the green actor groups that have like traveled here. that are planning yeah. to travel to participate, da, da, da. Um, but it's just a little bit, some, that kind of stuff that makes our our content stand out because I mean we could just post a picture of a guy with a musket, right? But like that's what other people do, right? And so just finding ways that it, that stays within the wheelhouse of your mission, um, but sets you know your channels apart. Mm-hmm. And like I saw on your list that um, like and about like which social media platforms were on. Um, yeah. and, and said the ones that were on and then others uh, that were not on, like Snapchat. We are on Snapchat, and we are fire when I have time to do it. I will say that. Um, <laughs> I, I was posting, like, without fail on a daily basis Monday through Friday, but, like, it was starting to really, like, take its toll, and so now it's more of, like, yeah. at least three times a week, but it really is dependent on, like, if I have other stuff that is a priority, like, based on yeah. the larger, like, goals, then I, have, then I prioritize that over it, but... Um, you can tell everybody to follow us uh, on all social media channels. It's at Colonial Williamsburg because Colonial Williamsburg spelled out is too many characters. That is complicated. Um, and um, so it's just Colonial W-M-S-B-U-R-G. And that we are on, I mean, I've, I've, I've done place marker. Um, like we technically have a Vine but, like, I uh-huh. never do hardly anything on it, but I didn't want somebody else to take our, our handle in case there did come a right. time where we had the type of resources to, like, have a presence on Vine. So, like, a few times I've had things that, like, were, were short enough to be on Vine. And, and just by virtue of our name alone, we have, like, 150 followers, which is bizarre to me, um, yeah. but which is pretty small compared to our other followings. But, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to be funny. <laughs> You can tell it's like 4:30. Um, yeah. It's like everybody starts to like trail off at the end of the day. 
Um, no, but, yeah, if there's anything else I can, I can like, follow up with, please let me know. I'm okay. happy to help, and I think it's really cool that you guys are doing this. Uh, so kudos to your instructor for recognizing the importance of this class. Yeah. It's helpful to, like, not make your students learn everything on the job. Right. Yeah, so. definitely. But, yeah, but yeah no, if there's anything that you personally need in the future, please let me know. I'm happy to, happy to help, and I have a lot of people who, like, reach out with, like, resume questions and that kind of jazz, and I just kind of figure people help me to get to where I am, and it's just only right to pay it forward. Yeah, no, definitely, and I definitely appreciate that. It's always good to, like, and I think that's also what's great about doing the interviews is making those connections. And yeah, for sure, definitely. So. Yeah, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, and, um, yeah, stay in touch. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll let you know when it's, where it's posted and everything, and, um, good. you know, so, yeah, thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.